0: to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in our podcast at Burn Orange Nation. And you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps hope to get the show out there. Share this with your friends where you found it. Whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere. Where you find fine podcast content, you can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Pod on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook, the Longhorn Republic, and on Instagram as well. You can also shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge, I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by the Brian Scalabrini of Texas podcasts. Kyle Carpenter, Kyle, how are you?
1: You know, it, it looks easy, looks like any doughy white guy could do it, but uh, you don't realize that, that in these, in these uh, Scalabrini trigger fingers, there, there is immense talent, and, uh, you know, it, 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 it's tougher than it looks. Uh, you know, the guy who sits in this chair, or in Scalabrini's case, you know, probably a, a, a nice, comfy leather chair still
0: still has game i mean kyle you never you never stopped having game let's be honest with 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 us here regardless of uh whether it's you know romantically or podcastily <laughs> you've always you've always had game kyle and that's that's completely okay uh, but we're not here to talk weird about kyle's relationship status we are here To talk about what's weird in our basketball relationship status Uh, after a disappointing outing for the men in the NCAA tournament. The ladies did not have a disappointing outing in the NCAA tournament, at least as it stands right now. Monday evening at 8.24 p.m. uh, Spring Football. Something that's not complicated. Something that's just beautiful. Football is back in action. Te- Texas is breaking in new coaches for the spring. Baseball had a good, not great weekend. Uh, we'll obviously down the 40. We'll bang the drum. we got a lot. It's a deep show today, Kyle. But we got to start with the basketball team. So we said last week we felt good, not great about this game. We thought Texas could win it on talent. But Abilene Christian plays, and I said this on on another podcast, Abilene Christian plays like the meth head version of what Texas Tech does. It's just nasty and (laughs) gross, and they're going to fight you with a brick, like just all sorts of terrible things. So uh, number three seed men's basketball fell to Abilene Christian by a point in the first quarter, further cementing the fact that Purple Wildcats are the bane of my existence.
1: I, I said it beforehand tongue-in-cheek but yes i I was frightened by that i hate purple teams in general i'm well documented my hate for purple wildcats specifically um look first of all before we say anything about this game kudos to that team credit congratulations they get to be on you know the upset highlight reel for at least this year maybe maybe for a long time people seem to like when the other team takes your hand sign and turns it upside down and inverts it in some way. So maybe that, that image will, will will be there for a long time. Um, that said, <laughs> they did what they were supposed to. They did exactly what you described. They, they mucked it up. We said in our preview that you know there was no real chance that I heard some people saying, oh my gosh, Texas is going to lose by 20. I'm so nervous, whatever. And I explained to someone, there is no world, even in their coach's ideal dream magical thinking you know speak it into reality world where that where texas loses big in this one texas either one medium size one really close or lost really close those are those are really the only combinations with the type of defense um in in tenacity and just muck it upness that that, that team threw out there and um you know the, the guy i maybe feel worst for in this entire thing is uh Andrew Jones having a, having a, a, what should have been his one shining moment, um, you know, game winner in a, in a career of, of game winners, and, um, in, and in obviously in a wild career. Just immediately erased. Um, that that was that was set to be the moment and an in, in, in ugly win in advance and see how it goes going forward um, against a team that wants to play basketball versus you know what I'll call some uh, version of like mixed martial arts and 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 slap hand or or what's the game where you put your hand out and you try to slap the top whatever that I is
0: don't, I don't know if there's a name for that game. Yeah. I don't know what you mean
1: slap hand um, basically yeah. that that's what. ACU did, but did it like while running 90 miles an hour around the court. And again, give them credit because that's they don't play basketball. They don't have the talent to play basketball. You could line them up in a rec league, and Texas would win by 60 points. Like it, they're just exponentially, significantly less talented. So what do you do? You 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 go into a tournament where things get weird and wonky, and you you play up your decided and specific advantage. And theirs was that they were going to run around and mess it up, and they were going to look at the refs and hope about three minutes into the game are you gonna let us do this are you gonna let us muscle people every time one of Texas players goes in the paint can we elbow slap poke pinch pump, you know what other, whatever you know a, a four-year-old does to you but you, you just kind of you know you're the uncle you say all right little guy I'm not gonna you know hurt you you're much smaller than me but but there is a point where it's like hey you know, do, do you call that um, but that that aside they did what they needed to do. Texas didn't adjust. They didn't do what they needed to do. They didn't show that they were the, the, the more talented team with the deepest, you know, most experienced in, in the country at the beginning of the season we talked at length about. They, they didn't. And one of those teams did what they set out to do, and one didn't. And
0: Abilene Christian won because of it. There are two sides of this argument, right? Because Texas should not have been in that situation. Texas is incredibly like significantly more talented. They've got three guys that'll probably go in the first round of this next draft. Like there's, there's no world in which Abilene Christian is as talented as Texas. Right. And so like, there, there's no reason. But there's also, like, the way the game was played and the way the game was officiated, um, it feels like they could only call fouls on one side of the court. Mm. And I mean that, like, it felt lopsided for both teams, depending on the half. <laughs> and so... Part of like, there's no excuse for Texas to get out rebounded on the offensive boards by 13 yeah. against the shortest team in the tournament. When you've got Jericho Sims and Kai Jones as your starting bigs, like those two guys are going to play NBA basketball. Um, so there's not really a reason for that, and and that led to 12 second chance points. It was a 12-0 second chance point advantage for Abilene Christian, and that's like the biggest hidden figure in this game is that. And then the shot volume, right? Texas. 18 of 40, great night shooting. Abilene Christian, 20 of 67, awful night shooting, but they took twenty seven more shots. Yeah. Like that, like shot volume is a real thing. We don't often talk about it a lot, but like shot volume is real. And so like that to to me like and the fact that Texas couldn't figure out a way to work it into Sims and Kai Jones feels a little inexcusable to me, especially because they were a combined seven of eight. Like Jericho Sims took three shots, made them all. They're all dunks. Real high percentage from Jericho, but like that is the crazy thing to me. Like, how do you not? How are you not able to get the ball inside? How are you not able to take advantage of the fact that Jericho Sims would be both the tallest and most athletic player on Abilene Christians, like on Abilene Christian's roster? Like that to me just doesn't compute.
1: Yeah, you're, you're 1000% correct. I mean, it, it seemed like in the beginning, they, they kind of had something where it was they were getting Jericho Sims and, and their, you know, crazy rotations, because it, again, you, you said it's kind of like tech, but they're, they're even they're, they're, they are even more out of control tech tech has a like a system. And, and it, it's, you know, the, the no middle uh, defense where they force you to make plays on the baseline using the baseline as an extra defender. Um, and that spread Kansas runs it, it's become a trend. It's a smart defense um but they hedged almost to the half court line it was crazy um and then just sprinted the rest of the defensive possession just absolutely um over rotating and trying to deny things and and texas was able early to find a nice little play where you know sims the big guy just kind of slid towards the basket and they threw it in there to the big guy and the big guy dunked it um once they kind of corrected that i think they got a couple um they got a greg brown three in the corner and a couple over rotations but it seemed like um to their credit, ACU at halftime figured out a little bit of, of the over-rotating and just got 100 miles an hour but at a correct rotation, and Texas didn't force their hand. Um, you know, I, I, look, it, it, there was a lot of blame. This is, again, the, the the team you had built for with all these seniors and returning juniors and, and experienced minutes and um, – you found your rotations and, and everything. And then you you know, you have plays where you you you, you dribble it off, off your senior, you know, the, the, basically the extension of the coach when going for the win. He he absolutely would have made that basket and, and and given him the win on that play, dribbles it off his foot. And and again, I'm not coming specifically for Matt Coleman. I think him getting soft fouls and being off the court was one of the problems in the first half. But you know, just just it seemed like at every point everything that could go wrong for Texas did when you're a team that should beat a team by 20, you can have everything go wrong and win by six and say, man, that was ugly. Um, but but if you keep doing it wrong and you let them hang around, which they did, there is this darkest timeline, and, and, and we're living it. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's crazy, and, and we're going to have to, to uh, talk about the future and what that means. But I just wanted to throw a stat out, Gerald. You talked about it. Did you know that Abilene Christian is the first team to win an NCAA tournament game? despite shooting under 30% from the field and 20% from the three. They are the first to ever do it. You're exactly right that it's volume, right? You could be really bad if you just keep getting it back. If you got your little, uh, that, that video that went viral this week, LeBarn James's rebounding machine, kicking the ball back out to him. If you have that you take 20 extra shots, you can be really bad at executing. In, in You look at the, the shots that they did make, right? They made 20 shots from the floor. You know, uh, Clay Gaiman uh, was kind of the, you think of a guy, two for 11, but still, you know, ended up scoring, uh, nearly dealt was their third highest score. I mean, y- that was the type of team it was. They made 20 shots. And out of those 20, you can legitimately do a, a pretty quick view of them. And, and at least, I'm going to say conservatively, six weren't even just 50-50 balls. They were pure Hail Marys. And in one possession game, to give some credit to just the fact that it wasn't Chaka's night and it was Coach, you know, Will Muschamp with a mouth sore. Um, some people like Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber, but whatever you prefer for their coach, it was his night. Um, again, when, 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 when six divided by 20, I'm not the math guy, Joe. We've, we've said long before uh, that, that we aren't, but when 30% of your uh, your shots that go in the hole go in when you're completely contested and you just throw it up at the end of the shot clock and somehow they go in, um, some things are just meant to be for for your team and not meant to be for the other and the other coach and the other players. And, and unfortunately, the trend has been... Texas being on the, the wrong end and, and the receiving end of those Hail Marys.
0: Yeah, and that game really felt like a microcosm for the Shaka Smart era. And really the last like two games felt like a microcosm for the Shaka Smart era where we think the corner has been turned, and it feels like the corner has been turned, and it feels like things are finally going to break, and then something awful happens, and you just have the worst string of luck. And, and that, like, again, even the end of that game, Andrew Jones draining what should mm-hmm. be a one-shining-moment three-pointer Then the... Chinsiest foul that I've ever seen On a re- it was a foul it was a foul yeah. I'm not going to argue it wasn't a foul but it's also not a foul that they called consistently is That my game, issue yeah. with that uh, Jericho Sims had a couple of those that he probably should have gone to the line for but whatever it's fine so like that just felt like a microcosm for the Shaka Smart era and so now we have to have the conversation about like what is the future for Shaka Smart a, a week ago we thought we thought Shaka's seat had cooled down some but um, a wise man has said that really when you get on the hot seat it never really truly cools down uh. And so, Shaka, after getting bounced in the first round, once again, there's conversation. And there's a lot of loud conversation that maybe now is the time to make a change from the head coach. And, and so, Kyle, for you as, you, as you sit here and thinking about it, um, even before this game, even before the Big 12 championship game, you and I had kind of talked offline that, like, this year you either have to fire or extend Shaka. Yeah. Like based on contract situation, based on recruiting, based on roster turnover, you either got to fire the guy or you got to extend him. And at this point, it doesn't really feel like you can extend him.
1: And again, what a difference a week makes, right? Like if if you if you said last week, look, shock, it finally all came together. He finished in the top ten in the country in the hardest you know conference that just was it was a mall day in and day out. They won the conference tournament. Um, you know. They headed into a tournament with a three seed before they got their draw. I would have said that was great. Um, you would have said, okay, you know, what? what's the worst that he can do? Uh, he's going to get extended, you know. Th- this was his team. He got to build his program. Um, there were concerns before this game, of course. There were concerns in years past and, and multiple times in years past. There's a concern that he's 0-3 in the tournament and it's been no wins in six years and, and, and total. Um, you know, it, it is... Um, there were concerns, but you would have thought a lot of that had been alleviated. But that is a is a punch in the nose on a national stage, and it and it kind of again. I don't think the loss is is enough in its own to say, all right, we fire Shaka, that's it. But I think going in and not being prepared to handle that defense and, and playing into their hand and, and just just having that many turnovers does say something about the coaching, and it does say something about the 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 tenor and tenure of this this. Era, the Shaka era is, are we going to be stuck with a, with a, you know, a first round playoff team? And I don't even mean the, the, I'm, I was thinking in the NBA, it came out right for March Madness, but you know, the, the team that gets the, the, the seven or eight seed in the West and, and flames out in, in the first round of the playoffs every year and never really. Competes never really does anything exciting. You just good enough, but not bad enough, you know. And and is that who we want to be? Rick Barnes certainly raised the expectations, and Shaka had unprecedented on the course of, of UT basketball history. Really unprecedented expectations for his tenure. But everyone in the country thought, "Wow, home run higher. He's gonna knock it out of the park." The guy is the hottest property in coaching in the country, and he has all the resources. And he knows he you know he's a, he's a great recruiter. It. It made sense. But we have now seen the vision fully realized and something about it still didn't make sense. And you have to ask, is that ceiling enough or is there a greater expectation? And, and really, honestly, Crystal conti will probably be the one who has to answer that question.
0: And I've tried to ignore this for a long time. And I, I've... I've been a Shaka Smart apologist because Shaka Smart is a legitimately good dude, and I want to see him succeed, and I wanted to give him a lot of benefit of the doubt, especially, again, with the way that things have broken for him. Literally broken. Like, players have gotten broken. That costs seasons he's had to suspend his top player in multiple seasons so like the guy has had a string of bad luck but i think the biggest indictment for shaka smart at this point and again you and i are you and i are kind of usually the the band that's playing as the titanic sinks with coaches we were the same way with charlie strong it feels like and again this is gonna this is a bad comparison maybe but it feels a lot like tom herman's tenure where there's a ton of talent. There are flashes of brilliance winning the the Maui Invitational, winning the Big 12 tournament. But there's always that thing that there's always that fly in the ointment that seems to just throw a wrench at everything. There's always that one thing. And you get talent like Caden Stearns, who is supposed is an NFL guy and will very likely be drafted pretty solidly in the NFL draft. Who did not perform for Tom Herman. So like there's there is that correlation that just it, you can't you can't ignore these things at this point
1: yeah and, and yeah and the jared allen add to that but I, look this was always going to be the pinnacle i said that earlier but you have to think what comes next and that's been concerning just because you have to look at the future and the way this roster was built there's a, there's going to be a mass exodus um of players who uh are graduating of players who are declaring early right you can put uh you could put sims coleman brown kai jones in that camp i think greg brown should come back i think changing a coach doesn't necessarily help the odds of that um i don't think he will anyways um but but you know there's four right off the bat probably andrew jones i think there's very little chance that he comes back um i mean and today news broke as we're recording this on tuesday that both royce ham and donovan williams are out so a thin future roster looks even thinner right Um, obviously next year was always going to be I I tweeted about it and joked about it a couple different times that um, you know Texas was this year scouting for the best uh, point guard who might be in the transfer portal next year uh, because they they desperately need a point guard on campus Um, and so uh, with Coleman gone you know this was always going to be a transfer in at least one position Um, now it looks like they're probably going to be looking for three or four transfers it's hard to build a winning team on transfers Chris Beard two years ago, we didn't have a tournament last year, two years ago, took tech to a championship game with a team full of transfers. It can be done, but you better have the coach who has a system that he knows, understands, and can take those guys and immediately put them in and buy them. And you better have a guy who can go out and get those players can get them. You're recruiting all over again. So is Shaka that guy for next year and for the foreseeable future after that? Because if this was the peak and it flamed out in the first round, how bad does it get in the immediate future? Regardless if if Shaka is your coach or not Again that's just with what the pieces On the board are today Take Shaka out of that the whole equation
0: can change Pretty drastically in either direction, right? Sure. It could, it, it could swing up as well because we see with what happened on the women's side with Vic Schaefer where Karen Aston was doing fine, just fine. Right. Honestly, we we're you and I were both confused why they just kind of let her contract expire and then up pops Vic Schaefer, one of the top five women's basketball coaches in the country that Texas just wrote a big check for and said, come on down. So um, to transition there, the women got a win in the first round. The women got a big win. Eighty, They did what you're supposed to do over a significantly lower seed. 82-61 uh, to 61 win over the Bradley Braves. Texas jumped out to a 13-0 lead in basically the opening minutes of the game. The lead changed hands a little bit. Bradley only led, though, for 19 seconds. Um, Texas just kind of dominated and did what they did. Um, Texas, really the big difference for Texas was the 13-second chance points. And Charlie Collier, who's very far from overrated, had a credible night.
1: You're absolutely right, and I, I I think um, I think there was a couple of players who stood out to me because look they they um, Bradley had a had a game plan as well um, <laughs> similar to Abilene Christian Bradley said if you take Charlie Collier out of the equation for the Texas Longhorns um you know it, then then they are a beatable team and we had said that somewhat during the Big Twelve that 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 could happen um there was a couple problems with that is is some other longhorns showed up to absolutely play their tails off i think audrey warren played one of the best basketball games men's or women's i've seen at the university of texas um period full stop i thought she was incredible um and also it's really hard To deny charlie collier again we're talking about they they literally face guarded her every play double teamed her if not triple the moment she touched the ball and she still um you know got one of them double doubles that she's uh the only like the, the next player in the power five conference to her on double doubles is like way down she's just so much better at everyone in the country uh then but you know she did 23 and 15 and and uh you know just just a uh, very professional, business-like performance. Went out, did what she needed to do, and uh, and looked great. But, I mean, the rest of the team, I thought, stepped up. I thought their defense was great. Um, Bradley did have, like, a, a really impressive uh, player who I thought, like, you know, looked as good as... Almost anyone, maybe outside of Baylor, um, that I've seen, Alasha uh, Petrie, who um, was just, she's, she's six foot, but like, I think she's top ten in the country in block. She's just a hustle um, all over the place. She averages like 18 a game coming in and way surpassed that. And she, she, was, she was phenomenal. Um, so credit to them. They came out. They played really well. Texas withstood it. Never looked incredibly scared. And uh, it's kind of nice to be talking about Texas basketball and talking about a nice convincing win
0: in a game where you triple team somebody and she still drops a a 23 and 15 without recording a single foul um like that's that's just what your star player is supposed to you've got a lottery pick in charlie Collar who's probably if not the first pick the second one off the board like there's very there's very little competition with her for those top couple of spots and so like that's what your star players are supposed to do when they're outmatched and Audrey Warren stepped up and, and, and took a lot of the load early, and then when they had to kind of shift their defense, Charlie Collier managed to do what she does, which is just play in the paint, play down low, and dominate. And we knew Coach Schaefer was like the dude, but the way that he managed that game, managed Charlie's, managed a lot of the adversity that they faced at times in the season um, – and goes to bat for his players regularly, like, he, he's, the reason why he can say things like he said a couple of weeks ago, where, like, there are people on this team that want to look cool instead of win basketball games, is because of what he did after this game in response to fans chanting overrated at probably the most accurately rated women's basketball player in the country, where he just was like, that's league. that's terrible, like, she's way better than good, she's great, and so that's the kind of coach that you want and honestly that's the kind of coach that again taking it back that Shaka smart is but it doesn't happen for him on the hardwood and so we'll see what happens next for both Shaka smart and for the women's team the ladies are up against number nine overall in the country number three seed in the hemisphere bracket UCLA Wednesday night the day you're listening to this in the round of 32 for a tough matchup
1: yeah you're gonna get you're gonna get a good look um, a, a team as good as any that Texas has played this year. They, they, they could have competed with just about anyone, include Baylor in that, uh, in, in the Big 12 um, this year. And so it could have been Texas playing UCLA in both men's and women's round of 32. But uh, women will have to carry the load and carry the water for the Horns. Again, I just hope they start keeping stats of charges taken, because there's no doubt Audrey Warren has double of anyone in the country.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. So when one season ends Kyle another one begins
1: Gerald do you mean like a a, a, a spring a, 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 a renews a a, 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 a bubbling springtime um I lost the I lost the metaphor
0: hope springs eternal that's the one Kyle that's it new coaches new mentality new bodies for some it's spring football the time where every team, has national championship aspirations. The time of the year where everyone feels, looks, sometimes smells like the best team in the country. Where fortunes are made, where new offenses finally have an opportunity to be installed after thanks COVID costing Texas last spring. But Texas, back on the football field with a brand new, almost brand new, all but two guys, coaching staff, with a new system on both Sides of the ball. So some some news out of practice early. There are uh, several guys that are dealing with the injury bug. Um, prior to practice, they announced DeMarvin the Overshone would miss the entirety of spring practice after having a torn labrum uh, repaired. We got the, like... The slyest confirmation that Derek Kerstetter was coming back, listing him on the injury report. Like there had been reports, we everybody knew he was coming back, but like listing him officially as a out for spring with an ankle injury confirms that Derek Kerstetter will be back <laughs> for next season. Uh, punter Ryan Bushevsky will miss spring with a knee injury. Uh, freshman linebacker who I was really looking forward to seeing Derek Harris will be out with a knee injury. Uh, tight end Brayden Lybrock out with a shoulder. Uh, deep snapper Justin Mater also out with shoulder. Defensive lineman Tavondre Sweat out with the shoulder as well. And then Troy O'Meary who uh, hurt himself, blew an ACL non-contact early in uh, fall practice last year, is uh, working with non-contact drills but will uh, be limited for spring, and then first day. Jake Smith breaks a foot. We don't know the extent of the injury, whether it's a stress fracture or a reg- or a normal break. We'll f- obviously find that out as the days uh, carry through. But Texas is going to be missing some key players throughout the spring. Also, some roster changes. Brendan Schooler moves from wide receiver back to safety after some of the attrition there, uh, and Casey Thompson gets his high school number back, switches to number. 11 but that's like the that's just the housekeeping stuff Kyle we're here to talk storylines <laughs> we there are a lot of there's a lot of juicy stuff coming in to spring we got a quarterback battle brewing Kyle it's been almost 4 years since we've had one of these so we're back with a quarterback battle We've got a lot of position battles, wide receiver battles. We've got some Mm -hmm. offensive line battles. We've got some secondary battles. There's battles all over the field. Sark being more fluid with the wide receivers makes that battle even juicier to watch. We've got guys changing their bodies uh, thanks to the new strength and conditioning focus. So, Kyle, when you think about spring practice, what is – and I'll just say outside of the quarterback battle because that's the easy one, right? Outside of the quarterback battle – what are you watching for? What are you looking at the most? What do you want to see the most out of this spring session?
1: Well, uh, look, I think Sarkisian, he's an offensive guy. He said he's hes, he's going to have the offense and defense watch film together, so he's going to keep eyes on the defense. But he's an offensive guy, right? He's looking at Texas offense. And what does what's the common thread through Sark's, like, Programs and the history uh, of his career as he's done it is he wants playmakers. He wants explosive playmakers. If if that means that it's running backs who are his most expe- explosive player, he's going to get running backs the ball. He's going to hand it to him. He's going to get him on, on wheel routes. He's going to get him in the flats. Um, if it's slot receivers, you know he's going to he's going to get them schemed up to get open. If it's big outside receivers, he's going to get them. He wants playmakers, and though he does have a system, a very you know wonderful system, he is always evolving and adding to it, and. I, What I think is you're going to see two really excellent running backs. You saw Bijan coming out. You saw pictures of him. He's down seven pounds, but somehow looks more muscular. I don't understand. Um, The guy's just like a a ball of muscles, but he looks great. Roshan Johnson also down four pounds. I like the idea of just explosion out of those guys, um, getting them both involved, getting them the ball in multiple positions. Um, Again, and then you look at your receivers – I would have loved Jake Smith to get this this spring. That is bad news. But, um, you know, you're you're looking at, obviously, a guy who we have spent a lot of time just thinking about, talking about he's battled um, injuries. But Jordan Whittington is, is, you know, a a player who I'm excited to see because we don't – the way – Sark does it you're not going to have this guy as an outside receiver this man is an inside receiver they can't ever you know play the opposite position because they're you know and that and that made sense that was Herman's kind of vision for offense and Sark doesn't seem to have such a view so you know is it going to be Whittington as that playmaker out there is um you know I, I think Josh Moore is a guy who I called for me last year to be my breakout player of the year and I think he started out really great he broke out and then he kind of tabled off a bit i would like to see what that next level can even look like again without the rigid you are this type of receiver just go be a playmaker type of receiver inside outside whatever it is um so i think that and then i think you know tight ends there's a lot of them on the roster receivers there's a lot of them on the roster but again i think the way sark sees it is 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 playmakers ball catchers and so are the tight ends i don't think there's going to have the rigidity that you saw with Herman where you have to have this package with this. T- I think you're going to see if a guy goes out and proves himself to be deserving to be on the field, you'll see tight ends in the package. If not, you'll see four wide at times, right? Like I, I think um, it'd be really interesting guys like a, a Braden Lybrock, who we've talked about for years, you know, this is his type of offense. This could really work for him. Um, so, you know, it, it would be really interesting. Jared Wiley, a guy who you and I love. Just love. Hashtag
0: Wiley Hive.
1: I mean, we are the epicenter of the Wiley Hive. Just, uh I will be curious to see how he gets used with his sheer size. You know, he's raw and just, you know, he's, he's learning as he goes. Um, but, you know, the ability, if he can get out there and prove, okay, you know, I, I deserve to be the tight end out there and I'm going to be your playmaker. I'm your goal line threat because I'm that tall and I can jump and I have good hands. Like, I, I'm just curious. I, I'm more than anything curious to see what the combination of playmakers looks like way less than than a position battle that says, okay, this is our depth chart. And I love that Sarkeesian said, like, when they asked about a depth chart, he said, what, do the players put you up to asking that? you know he, he he doesn't want that. He doesn't want there to be this is my wide receiver 1, this is my wide receiver 3. Like th- that's not his go make place and you'll get on the field and I kind of love that.
0: Yeah, and and that to me especially because Tom Herman was so rigid with like positionality on the wide receiver room. So like that to me is interesting cuz again that's going to allow you to get your best three guys on the field. Right? The, your best three players on the field which may end up being Uh, You know, Jordan Whittington, um, Jake Smith, depending on his injury, like Sark values speed Mm. from a wide receiver more so than than Tom Herman valued size. So, like, that's going to be something interesting to watch. But for me, really, it's getting some clarity on what Kyle Flood's going to do at the offensive line. And some of it comes from, like, the the weight changes along the offensive line. You see two guys that are probably slotted in at guard. Went up in weight. Junior Anguilau gained 22 pounds. He's up to 316. Christian Jones gained 17 to get up to 327. So it looks like your guards are probably going to play around 320. And your tackles are going to play around 330 Three hundred because Tyler Johnson, and Isaiah Hookfin both lost twenty and ten pounds respectively. Derek Kerstetter went got gained like three pounds. So your guards are going to play real heavy, and you're probably not going to ask them to do a ton of pulling at that weight. So your tackles are going to be doing a lot more of the movement, a lot more of the motion than your guards, which is something interesting to see. Um, and so I'm like seeing what Kyle Flood has. Like the offensive line wasn't great last year, but that doesn't mean there's not depth there because Regardless of what Herb hand did this last year, and you can talk about he was again there go read Mike Roach's recap on what actually happened with the offensive line recruiting and things reasons why the Brocker Myers maybe went elsewhere. But like there is some talent there. There is a lot of talent there. There's Andre (laughs) Carrick, who was a Big coup for Herb hand. You've got uh, Jake Majors, who was a massive coup. So like there's there's talent in that trench group, and that for me is going to be the biggest difference because Alabama may have the flashy skill positions, but they win championships because of their offensive yes. line. Yes. And so when you look at what Texas needs to do to win a championship in the Big Twelve, the fact that You've got Christian Jones and Junior Angula who have a ton of starts. Like, I don't anticipate there being much of a battle at left guard. Like I think Junior's just got that locked in. Um, I don't anticipate there being much of a battle at right tackle. Derek Kerstetter doesn't come back if he's probably not pretty confident he'll be able to play his natural position. And that was the thing we talked about a lot last year, was that the inability to develop Rafiti Gramai into a, a successor to Shackelford when he graduated means that you have to move your guy with the most positional versatility in Derek Kerstetter, because he could play all three spots on the line if you wanted him to. So, you move him into center, which shortchanges both the right tackle and the center. And really, you have a guy, you have a couple of guys playing out of position. And so, like, your offensive line suffers because of it. We saw what happened when they got to play in their natural positions in the final couple of games of the year. Now, granted, Kansas State was kind of trash, and so, um, so was Colorado. But... There's a lot to be said about what that what that unit can do and we're going to try to get um, our buddy coach check on to talk about some offensive line dynamics and those types of things um, in the next few weeks. He's got the guy's busy. He's like he's, he's moving on up. He's like an offensive coordinator now. He's got a lot going on, but uh, he's always a, he's always an offensive lineman in my heart. Uh, so that to me is the thing that I'm curious about is what what the gr- we're getting some clarity in what the group looks like, but we're probably still not going to see what that group actually will be until Derek Kerstead is back to
1: 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And then we'll, we'll talk more certainly in the future about them, but my, my, my singular thought is that the talent that you talk about is all young talent. And so this is a good chance for Flood uh, to kind of build that up, right? When you talk about those guys, when you talk about Hookfen who, you know, probably would have got a chance last year not been for injuries but still young tyler johnson carrick I mean, you're talking about young as majors even you're talking about young guys and so there is a chance to kind of build and mold this you'll bring people in sure um but you know you had a lot of players redshirt you had a lot of players not with a ton of experience you you had some young guys who do have good experience but you're going to see that grow and so i'm i'm very curious and i know that's your your wheelhouse but we have to talk a little bit about defense sark mentioned his players that stood out the, the ones you probably expect Bijan at the top of that list okay um roshan excited to see his name there a guy i really think can contribute a lot uh Whittington and then on the defensive side uh it was Anthony Cook Josh Thompson excuse me Josh Thompson and Alfred Collins a little Big Al um I I texted someone today and said I would not be any way surprised in fact would be surprised if it went the other way if Big Al Collins was not had worked himself into like a top 10 pick in two years. Like he just, every person who's ever seen him play coached him. Looked. I mean, he stepped on campus and, and the the last staff was like, Oh my gosh, this guy, Um, you know, he, he just, he radiates something that a special player has. I think Coburn has a chance to really have a tremendous year this year. And we'll talk more. We have time, but I think Al- Alfred Collins is going to be a guy who went from being a, you know, recruit Knicks and, and, and players who just obsess over the depth chart knew him well, but the average fan maybe, even after a good season last year, didn't know him. But it will be a name this next season. I think he is every person who's ever seen him play the game of football has walked away from that field and said, wow. And, you know, I don't think that's changing anytime soon.
0: Yeah, I, Alfred Collins is going to – and you know what? There's a there's a world in which both Keandre Coburn and Alfred Collins are on the field at the same time. Good freaking luck. That's all I'll say. Good luck getting anything in the middle. So, spring practices is underway. We'll we'll try to update as best as we can over the next several weeks. We'll do we'll do kind of mini previews like this, and we'll update with any news that comes out as it happens. So we got to jump to the baseball diamond real quick. Number ten, Texas baseball—they Did, did they move to number nine in the most recent rankings. Or are they out yet, Kyle? But anyway, they, may, number, they
1: may have. They're top ten Texas either way. I may, I may top
0: ten Texas. Down. Right. It, it doesn't matter. It's fine. So uh, baseball won a weekend series in their Big Twelve opener over Baylor. They won the Friday matchup five to three. The Saturday matchup four to three, and then Sunday got a little wild. Uh, they lost eleven to two in that matchup. So not a great. Ty Madden um, was good um but picked up his third win again gave up a little bit more than he normally does but that's that's okay um but it was it was the bats were alive the first two nights and then Sunday was just weird
1: yeah it was they are number 9 you're correct Gerald. I just googled it I apologize that was my error um the uh the, the Sunday game I think look they were on an 8 game win streak it had to come to an end it just seemed like Baylor got the bats going um they they scored in bunches um and it just Texas is still the most vulnerable in that that Sunday starting pitching spot it will be curious you know as we're as we were recording this uh Texas is is currently um playing a game and it looks like the 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 pitching um going on you know there's talk about do we do we change it up a little bit um, you know, who who's gonna be the, the third starter? Are there other guys we could bring in? Are there people we could bring out of the bullpen? Could one of our weekday starters uh, be there? So it it'll be interesting. I think that, that spot is maybe the most in flux. But I think that the day one and day two right now, Texas is just so solid. Obviously, starting with Friday night tie, it's hilarious. You said that it's a down game. Six six and a third, struck out nine, uh, you know, is, is a terrible game for him. It, it, he's only. Eight. No hitters
0: or bust, tie. That's all I'm <laughs> taking from you.
1: Friday night tie, baby. That's what we expect. Eighth nationally in strikeouts, leading the Big 12 in hits per nine, second whip. I mean, he's good. And Aaron Nixon. It's a guy I'm really excited. He he got his first career save in that uh, that five three win um, on Friday went one one and a third with uh, two strikeouts to get a save and then came the next night they got the four three win and back to back nice. he he uh, he he got the save after Tristan Stevens went six striking out six next he came in and got a second straight save so I like that we're getting. Um, some some assignments, some understanding in our bullpen, and we're having games close enough that we end up on the right side enough, uh, to get some saves for uh, for for it looks like what's going to be Aaron Nixon as our as our closer. So I'm I'm excited for that. I thought the bats in the first two games were working. I mean, look, they they um had been hitting so well over the past five, six, seven, eight games. Um, so you know those those first two were good the second one only putting up two runs is tough um when it's your sunday starter you'd like to see a little more production but i'm not worried about it too too much um i'm i'm more more looking ahead and in the, the stat I, I put in the notes that i think is how i'm going to view the season they're 14 and 3 with practice they're 14 and 6 but i'm just i'm just uh with practice uh, before a game and no snow uh they're 14 and 3 and they have multiple guys playing i think cam williams just Lightning right now on a nine-game hit streak. Antico, um, he's both in the top twenty in the nation in walks. Trey uh, Faltini's also in there, and uh, also uh, top two spots in the Big Twelve. Antico leading, and uh, Kennedy second in stolen bases. So you, you see guys contributing all over and in different ways, doing the things that they are good at. So it it feels like there's some things they're they're playing winning baseball right now, right? And they didn't win in Baylor, but they won eight before that. They're they're probably going to win tonight uh, against incarnate word as they're playing uh, now. Um, and it looks like they're just making the plays that need to be made to win
0: these games. Um, so I, I like where we're at. Absolutely. You said they're they're on their way to win. As you said that, um, Peter Gibb hit a uh, home run to put Texas up 10-1 to at bottom of the eighth. So uh, Texas probably has that one well in hand. So they'll probably likely, unless something really crazy happens uh, at the top of the ninth, Uh, Texas will take a win over Incarnate Word uh, before playing a really, really salty OU squad in the weekend series. But now is the part of the show where we give some shine to all the other news happening on campus, and we down... The forty. So the number three women swimming and diving team finished third at the national championships. The first top three finish for that team since 2001, uh, which is big. Again, they were the number three team in the nation. Finished third. Feels like a safe, pretty solid, pretty solid outing. Uh, nine Longhorns earned All-American honors in 25 different events. Kyle, big weekend for the ladies.
1: Absolutely. And one of those All-Americans, Evie Pfeiffer, set school records in both the 500 and 1650 yard uh free um, so you, you like to see what's going on there um, that just means next year there's room for improvement you can be number two you can be number one but very very proud of them uh, of course won the big 12 and went on to get uh, a top three finish for the women the the men will try to best that this week it, three would be a disappointment in this next weekend they they are uh, competing this weekend for the uh, chance to win their 15th national champion so uh, big things happening in the pool
0: Before we move on, I have to point out that Evie Pfeiffer basically swam 5,000 feet. Yeah. She swam 4,950 feet. That is a lot, lot, lot. A lot of feet. A lot of feet. So, uh, number two, volleyball. This is the first time we've had to say this in a very long time. (sighs) Lost their first match of the year in five sets to the Rice owls so they they won the first one 25 to 10 which is what we expected and then the next two got weird they lost the, the second ma- uh second um, set. second game 25 to 16 the third one it was a narrow 25 to 23 took set 5 uh, 25 to 14 and then that that quickie to for the to end the night 15 to 13 uh, first loss of the year for the ladies Um I don't, I don't know what happened, Kyle.
1: Yeah, I mean, look. So th- th- there's some weird things at play here. So uh, Texas, again, like the baseball team, being you know very good record when 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 practicing. Texas is undefeated in volleyball against uh humans they are 0 and 1 against food um they lost to rice come on uh, we've all been in quarantine dad jokes are landing you know you love That's it good. um but no i mean look they they they're i think all time like 30 and 2 now against rice they've lost the last two it's very weird um it's been a couple years but still rice i guess uh, they they're, they're getting texas's number it's a good team rice is uh, i think like 14 and 4 on the season they they're a good team but uh, i really think probably and i hate to say this um they may have looked ahead a little bit to that uh, that matchup coming up on Friday. I think getting the 25-10 to 10 win felt like something and then getting kicked to the teeth, uh, going down 25-16 in the second, and then not being able to pull back and get the third when they gave up that, that second set. Um, they still got it in the fourth, but it's like... It, they haven't been stretched like that, except against you know Baylor. They they haven't been stretched. They've just won so easily. Um, so maybe it's good. I actually think I'm going to change my perspective. I was I didn't like this earlier. It's good. This was a much needed wake up call. They they are human. They are infallible. Um, just just win
0: all the rest. Win you know the tournament and you'll you'll, you'll be all right. Uh, is is Coach Elliott still out with COVID? Because that might also be a thing. Um, but I don't know if there's ever been an undefeated national champion in volleyball. So get that one out early and just be done with it so um a ladies team that did not drop one the women's tennis team uh, went 7-0 on OU 14-1 um on the season, eight and zero against ranked opponents. Have swept nine of their fourteen opponents on the year. Men's tennis topped Arizona. Number seven men's tennis topped Arizona uh, four to three. They'll host USF and Austin this weekend. The number ten softball team. So many small numbers, Kyle. In this down the forty, uh, went five and one. They played six games this weekend. Crazy weekend,
1: yeah, busy busy week. Um, first McNeese, then ooh La, La and finished it up with uh, with New Mexico um, McNeese. First of all, I was looking at their schedule. They have played like I think they've played like sixteen games and twelve of them against ranked teams or something like that. It's they they've had a tough schedule. They're a good team. Um, Texas got that one. Um, I thought uh, they they trailed and then they came back and I like that. That's their fifth come from behind victory of the year. They're not just going to you know beat everyone in five innings and they. Ulala is a team, and I should say this, University of Louisiana, the artist formerly known as Ulala, um, is really good with a great, great coach. They're like a, a dangerous postseason team every year in college softball with with, uh, with what they've got going there. And they came in and uh, stole one, 10 to 9. Um I thought it was a really good matchup. I watched both of those games. Um, I thought the first one was beautiful. The uh, Shea O'Leary pitched a gem of a shutout, and uh, Janae Jefferson had what ended up being. I tweeted at the time, that's a SportsCenter top 10 play, and it ended up being number two on uh, Scott Van Pelt's top 10 that night on SportsCenter. Beautiful, beautiful diving, ridiculous catch to, to save that shutout. Um, uh, but, yeah, otherwise, I think just, just right on course where they need to be. Um, they're playing they're – playing, fantastic softball and then again that's not even talking about the weekend series against new mexico where uh you know they they had a a 12 run no hitter the i think ariana adams became the 11th pitcher in ut history the 51st overall no hitter in school history and they're just jacking home runs i mean they are um they're in a good spot they have a lot of different pitchers contributing we wondered how they how do you how do you replace the goat how do you replace the national player of the year who opts out in Miranda Eilish how do you how do you do that and it's not necessarily plug in one pitcher it seems to be the pitching staff stepping up and the bats stepping up and and again it was always going to be a tough replacement but they they seem to be taking it in stride and uh, I think coach white has got a good really good thing going
0: Kyle I'm surprised you missed this nine run rules now in the season with ah. a 12-0 win over uh, New over Mexi- New Mexico on Saturday. Kyle, that's your stat. I left it specifically for you. Nine run rules on the year because they won 12-0 in five.
1: Gerald, I-, I meant to say this when you mentioned tennis. They've swept nine out of 14. We might need to be, be- – first, it was a volleyball. How many sets they lost – on the season we were tracking, then we've been tracking uh, run rules for, for softball. We may now also need to keep a, uh, a a women's tennis sweep tracker because uh, our women's sports
0: are just, just waxing, wiping the floor with folks this year. And you'll love to see it. Crushing it. Number 12, men's golf places third at the National Invitational Tournament in Tucson, Arizona, Uh, Pearson Cootie finished second individually, Uh, named the golf week team of the week, what's up men, number 24 women's golf finishes as the runner up in the Mountain View Collegiate falling one stroke shy of back to back tournament wins. In Arizona, friend of the show, Agatha Lasney, Sophie Guo, Caitlin Papp, and Ashley Park all finished in the top ten if you're keeping score. That's 40% of the top ten for Texas Longhorns. Soccer will resume play after a two-week break, hosting Texas A&M Corpus Christi on the 26th. Second game of the year for number one player in the country, Lexi Massimo. Glad to see her finally getting it out
1: there absolutely she had to sit for what three weeks two uh, two two and a half weeks on her uh, uh, newcomer of the week award and so I'm sure she's dying to get something going on Friday
0: so Texas relays happening again it's a weird weekend for the Texas relays no high school athletes will be in attendance um, so Thursday through Saturday will be it probably likely not the normal Texas relays uh, hopefully not the normal <laughs> Texas relays environment uh, but that'll be fine um, it's exciting times, yeah. For Texas track,
1: it, it is. I think there's there's some really good. They, this will be the first time too to see outdoor uh, the team really competing. They took a small little squad to UTSA this past weekend, but it was like not even a third of the full team and so this will be a good chance obviously you get your your professionals who come to texas relays as well but the chance for you know texas to to host this the national stage the big tournament to really see what they can do on on the outdoor stage after having such an incredible uh showing in indoors and as evidence of how good that team was in indoors uh this week tara davis was named the United States Track and Field Association Athlete of the Week. Remember, that is only given uh, at every level, not necessarily college, professional, uh, everywhere in the United States, for her performance at the NCAA Indoor Championships when she became the third, third Longhorn to win an NCAA title in the long jump and in the process set the NCAA all-time collegiate mark with 6.93 meters. Um, I actually, my, my wife, told me just the other day she was like you know I, I i watched that video uh that you 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 tweeted from the account i'm so glad to hear that she follows us on social media um but uh, and she's like it really was majestic she just floated in the air
0: she did <laughs> she really absolutely did uh speaking of majestic six three, two 280 pound defensive tackle christopher ross decided to make his commitment to the 22 Effect class, joining uh, what's now the number eight class nationally with still a lot of talent out there on the board uh, from North Shore. Always good getting a Houston area yes. kid from those filthy Aggies and from those filthy dirt burglars up north. Um, you, uh, Ou and USC were the biggest competition for his services. This is he, Christopher Ross is a prime candidate for the Burn Orange Media conspiracy bump. Like he will probably jump a, a hundred ish spots if not more and pick up a fourth star by the time his senior campaign is done. Um, he's like super fat, like he's super quick, really quick feet. Uh, <laughs> but the first lineman. Yeah. In the class for either side of the ball, which is, uh, something to watch.
1: Gerald, I'm going to propose that the first lineman in each class from henceforth on this podcast gets to be named the, uh, whatever their classes. So he is the class of 2022 Arby's. We love the beef or we have the beef. I need to figure that out if we're going to get sponsored. Um, Arby's feel free to sponsor us. Uh, he is the 2022 Arby's. We have the meats. Um, a beefy boy he's he's 6'3 280 big guy moves quick uh you're right gonna get some stars gonna do some things uh i was laughing i i think i texted you during it sarkeesian said when they asked him what's lacking he said we need big bodies um he didn't really pull back on that we need big bodies and uh, what happened three
0: days later two days later we got one in big bodies and i like it he's gonna grow i think he'll probably end up probably being uh putting on some more and you know, when you and this is not meant to be reductive of like high schools and North Shore's got a great program, yes. but you'll see a guy go from like a high school 280 to a college 290 and it looks like they actually gained like 30 pounds. So I'm curious to see what his body cuz he's got he's got a frame to grow and this won't have a big impact, but he is he is teammates with uh, one of the top defensive targets on Texas's board, five-star quarterback Denver Harris, who's long been thought to be a Texas lean. Probably won't have a ton of impact on it. But it's always nice to have somebody in your corner who also shares a locker room with a five star corner.
1: Well, and look, right? Like you just got a kid who who uh, the last great defensive lineman we got from there was named Corey Redding, so I wouldn't hate that. Um, you know, it, it, it but it is a long time. That's wild. It's weird that that a school like North Shore, we talk about those kind of big seven, eight, ten schools in the state that every year pump out four and five stars to the big twelve to the SEC, you know, just pump out Collegiate players and NFL players, and it is weird that uh, a school like North Shore is not supplying more of those uh, hosses on both sides of, of, of the trenches, offense and defense, to uh, to UT, so let's uh, let's open that pipeline, Sark, let's uh, all gas, no brakes. Gerald, so now it's time. We're going to go to our segment, talk about what we're watching on our giant, big screens. godzilla Gerald, what have you been watching?
0: It's crazy, I how i managed to watch other stuff this weekend because i got really tired of basketball for some reason Mm. um early in the (laughs) tournament (laughs) rounds fine uh so uh snyder cut dropped four hours of dc goodness and honestly i i enjoyed it like they four hours is a lot and i didn't watch it all in one sitting i'll say that um but especially based on what joss whedon kind of crapped out there significantly better um i think it fits the tone really well i enjoyed it you know i'm not like a i'm not a crazy like i'm gonna tweet at wp every day to get uh them to do more of this stuff but like it's cool to see it it's cool to see what this could have been and i'm I'm curious to see what this does because it apparently had a really massive response falcon and the winter soldier uh hit disney plus over the weekend first episode watch that um and I talk about it more in depth on my other podcast too, Woke Nerds, which is already in your podcast feeds if you want to check that out. But um, seeing them use the medium of Marvel comics and Marvel characters to talk about like systemic racism is going to be really interesting um, and like nationalism and some of the problems therein. Uh, and then I've also – Michael B. Jordan will get me to do a whole lot. And so I'm, I'm listening to my first ever Tom Clancy book because Michael B. Jordan's going to be playing the lead in a Tom Clancy movie. So I'm reading without remorse. It's very much a 1993 book. Um, it's, it's, it's fine. I wouldn't recommend you read it if you're not, like, a huge t- – let me say, most of the people that are going to read a Tom Clancy book have already read this book. So, like, I'm just doing it because, it, like, Tom Clancy just kind of missed me. I was too young to get into Tom Clancy when Tom Clancy was really doing his thing real big. Uh, and then, like, I just like, all right, whatever, it's fine. So uh, that's that's been my week.
1: Can I say a theory I've always had? I would be more interested to read if his name was Clancy as a first name. I feel like you don't get enough guys named Clancy these days. You know, that's just throwback. Tom, there's a lot of Toms out there. But Clancy just sounds like he has something to say. But no, obviously Tom. You know
0: know who's great? Clancy Brown.
1: There you go. Love it. Uh, Absolutely love it. Um, Clancy Tom just sounds like, I don't even know what that sounds like, but it's amazing. Um, Here's what I've been watching, Gerald. I've been watching Texas... Sports, uh, of course. Um, looking forward to good professional Texas sports. Dell match play this weekend will feature Jordan Smith and reigning rookie of the year, Scotty Scheffler, uh, as well as is looking forward to watching P.J. Tucker not on the Houston Rockets. Bless his heart. He got out. He, uh, in, a, in a straight uh, UT swap, P.J. for D.J. There's some other pieces there, but I uh, feel bad for D.J. because now he's, he's, he's on the Rockets. But, hey, they broke a 20-game losing streak since D.J. Augustine arrived. But... Besides those Longhorns, I've been watching a little bit of uh, a little bit of entertainment. I kept it, kept it. OG, we've been slow burning billions. It's not been going fast. We're still in season two. I'm loving it. Uh, really, really like the first two seasons. I, I've heard actually warning from a couple people who told me that uh, it, it it maybe doesn't reach its heights in the final seasons as it does in the first two. But the first two save for them, and I really have been. It's it's been great. So I can't report on the series in total, but uh, I'm. I Two thirds of the way through the second season, and it's just it's it's really 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 uh, good, entertaining, riveting, um, and and just interesting stuff. Um, Also, speaking of entertaining, riveting, and interesting, my wife loves Formula One. She loves cars way more than me. She's the car girl, car person of the family. Um, The new season of Formula One's Drive to Survive, season three, came out, so we watched the first episode. Uh, of that I'm sure she's watched episodes two three or four uh if she could squeeze them in without me because she's uh this is not a show she has to wait for me for I just this is her show but uh, it's fun man if you don't like formula one this is season three Go watch season one and check because I didn't like Formula One at all. Didn't have anything for it, but it's a well-made documentary. It's got the drama. Um, it makes it very interesting. It obviously features Austin. Um, you know, uh, there's there's a lovable character named Daniel Ricardo in it who um, wears a UT helmet and like full burn orange jumpsuit when he races in Austin because he knows the way to our hearts. Um, yep. So uh, if you don't think that you don't like Formula One. I may have said this on the show before, maybe not. Give it a try. Uh, you might end up liking it. I am still not like a huge Formula One fan, but I've have, I have exponentially grown my interest and love after watching the Netflix show.
0: I might have checked check it out. It, it, you, may, you may have sold it. Plus, Drew has really great judgment. Let's be honest with you. Your wife, your wife has really good judgment. Let's be honest with you. Yeah, she-
1: She picked me, yeah.
0: Right? Absolutely. She absolutely did. So that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. Brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? (sighs) Gerald, when we
1: set out to make this podcast, we didn't necessarily write down a mission statement or say, what we're about or what our differentiator would be from any other. And I believe we are the only Texas Longhorn podcast, so don't even look um, for others. But uh, what would be our differentiator? And I think the way we look at sports, the the opinions and ensure are all great. But I think one of the things that's been a pillar for us since the start is we have tried to give women's sports just as much Attention is men's sports, especially because at UT, let's face it, our women's sports are way better than our men's sports right now. (laughs) They win national championships at a a much more uh, frequent rate. Um, You know, again, take swimming out, they skew things, but um, they... we literally talk about top 10 Texas and it's, it's volleyball and rowing and, 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 uh, and women's tennis, and those are all like number two um, and, and women's golf, you know, can, can win national championships. And um, we, we just have softball. Obviously we have many of these teams, um, women's basketball under Vic Schaefer that, that are, that are fantastic. And to be great, but we might be in the minority um, in a desire to see women's sports treated with inequality, equality and in when we talk about March Madness, there are two of them. There is a March Madness and there's not a women's March Madness that is the secondary, you know, uh, offshoot. There are two tournaments that happen in March that are, you know, seated the same way and are both crazy and wild fun. Um, one happens to be for men and one happens to be for for women. But there is very clearly um, a hierarchy In in the way that the NCAA has revealed themselves to view the two tournaments. And and I understand revenue generation. I understand those things. But it is the national championship tournament for one of the biggest and most beloved sports, um, basketball. It happens to be the women's version, but the the despair the disparity of the two happening at the same time, and seeing people on social media tweet out, "This is the men's locker room," and it you know, it, or the men's weight room, and it's just stacked with all kinds of different machines and weights. And this is the women's, and look, it has pretty uplights, and and you know, it has three dumbbells and uh, a yoga mat. You know, it just I love that Texas basketball hired Andrea Hooty, a woman, to be the strength and conditioning coach for, for both. And she does both effectively and equally well. Um, I wish more programs and the institution and say, but viewed it that way. There was a, a, uh, st- stray bullet that caught Texas football in, in the conversation. Cat McCoy, uh, formerly the, the UT volleyball team said, um, when we w- played for the national championship, we got, you know, like spray deodorant and, uh, you know, shampoo as our package in our locker, um, oh, wow, and UT UT football went to you know a, a very mediocre bowl and got flat-screen TVs. And, and and I get it. I did no shots at Texas football or the bowl game gifts. It's amazing. I love bowl game gifts. But it does come back to the fact that there is a fundamental disparity in the way that we value women athletes, we value women's sports. And I don't think this podcast can change the national conversation, um, but I hope if enough people are talking about it that we can shine a light and highlight that, it's absolutely not right that that this should be treated as a second-tier tournament, as these players as second-tier athletes, or, or this competition as a second-tier competition, because you and I don't view it that way. We very much adore, love, have covered, have gotten to know the, the women's athletes. We had Cat Osterman, who is on literally our Mount Rushmore of college sports, on this podcast last week, and that was a huge thrill for us. I'm still mad that I get to do that. It's okay. But... <laughs> Please be better NCAA. If you listen to this podcast, I hope that you agree with Gerald and I, and you also will keep talking about it and and hold them to it to be better.
0: Well, and and there's, there's a conversation to be had about, like, who's on the committees that's making these decisions. And a lot of these decisions aren't just run by the NCAA, they're run by the schools. But doing, like, it's not just like the weight rooms. The weight room situation got a lot of publicity. But things like counting babies who are of nursing age against your head count in the bubble, like, that's a decision that's not made if you've got a woman in the room having the conversation. Like, nursing babies take up no room whatsoever like n- there's there they should not be counted in your head count there's a reason why a baby that could sit in the lap doesn't need an airplane ticket mm. there's a re- again I, I just i experienced that a couple years ago with my oldest son he was again lap sized didn't need to buy a ticket for him and, but they're like those weird decisions when you don't have good representation in the room it, that This is what happens, and I don't support bullying people unless it's the NCAA and we can bully them until the cows come home because I have long been on the, the NCAA needs to go away bandwagon. So I'm banging the drum this week on the overrated chant, and not necessarily because a team chanted overrated at Charlie Collier when she just dropped an anvil on their head, but um, the overrated chant needs to die. I have never understood it, and it doesn't make any sense in any context, right? You, as an underdog, are beating a team that's far greater than you. Chanting overrated at them diminishes your accomplishment. (laughs) (laughs) You actually want them to be underrated, if in that case, right? When you're losing, chanting overrated at somebody also diminishes any sense of accomplishment you may have chanting overrated at somebody literally makes no sense in any context so stop doing it it makes no sense that's my bang the drum short and sweet stop it
1: adequately rated clap clap (laughs) clap 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 clap. highlighting our accomplishment clap 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 I
0: mean you could try something different fans You, you got this they're, they're like, lit, watch any high school basketball game and just steal one of their chants. <laughs> Do it. There's a thousand of them. I covered high school basketball for a while. Just f- steal one. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet?
1: Oh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer.
0: You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at G.H. Goder, Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn pod on Facebook and Instagram as the Longhorn Republic. You can also find me on my other podcast, two woke nerds where we talk, we dive in deep on the Snyder cut and Falcon and the winter soldier. Uh, me and my buddy, Raymond Summerlin uh, dive in on that. So you can check us out. We're already on your podcast feed. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. Oh. I also, because Kyle and I recorded on, Tuesday night rather than Monday, hopped on to the 1012 podcast this week with our friend Philip Slavin. Uh, to talk I talk Shock and Smart there too. So you want to hear more about the feelings of Shock and Smart and what Texas did in the Big 12 tour- or in the NCAA tournament or the tournament, check that out. But with that, thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time,
1: hook'em. Hook'em, leave us five stars if you think we're adequately rated.